0: Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On this week's show, we will recap the games against Houston and Cincinnati. We'll be joined by Voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy. We'll get his thoughts on taking a different role in the Shocker radio broadcast this week. We'll also get you ready for this week's games, a home matchup with Tulsa and On the Road Sunday at SMU. Great show coming up right after this.
1: Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast. Your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now,
0: here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. The Shockers go 1-1 one one last week, starting with a 70-63 road loss. At Houston, Wichita State was up by 10 in the second half. Then they go on a streak where they miss nine shots. They have four turnovers. They go seven minutes in uh, game time without any points. Houston's offense really starts hitting shots at that point, and uh, it was kind of all all uh you know that that one little area of the game is is what did it so taylor your thoughts i mean on the one hand you're up 10 on the road at houston uh you know a top 25 team you have to be very happy with uh that chance a little disappointed in uh you know the streak there that cost them in the second half but also maybe some renewed confidence that you can go toe-to-toe with these guys and still have some additional opportunities before the year's out
2: yeah, I actually tweeted at halftime that uh, the game was kind of reminiscent of two years ago when WSU went into Houston and took a five point lead at halftime and then ended up losing that game by almost ten points because, you know, they gave up a fifteen to two run right out of halftime. So I tweeted out the first five minutes of the second half were going to be crucial and you know, looking back they, they were and yes, WSU started out, they they scored the first four points and extend that lead to, to ten. In the first 90 seconds but what came after that that's that's where the problem was and uh, that's what WSU was really disappointed in was the the lapse of defense they felt like they were really defending at a high level against Houston and uh, making them make tough shots and then once those shots started not falling on the other end once silly turnovers started happening they felt like their defense kind of went down a level they let the offense bring their defense down and that's something that you know the players talked about, IB talked about, and that's something they they really focused on. Um, and I think you saw a, you know improvement. Not to jump ahead to the Cincinnati game, but you, you definitely saw an improvement in that regard. And then in the very next game, so that was something they were focused on: was not letting missed shots, poor offense affect their defense, because that's what happened when you look back at that Houston game up 10 on the road like you said against a number 11 team in the country you have to be ecstatic that you were able to get to that situation but disappointed that they let that one slip away 160 run and they they pretty much never recovered after that the turning point, in my opinion,
0: was that Grimes four point play where he's fouled by Dexter Dennis. Grimes scores twenty of his twenty-two points in the second half and really was not going at all in the first half. Dexter Dennis was playing fantastic defense. And this is anything against Dex, but I feel like once Grimes saw that shot go in, that kind of changed things for him. Also, the big difference between Houston and Wichita State, in my opinion, was they, they just attack the basket at all times, where you know, when we saw the shockers go on the seven minute run it seems like they started to settle for the jump shot a little bit as Isaac Brown mentioned in in your article after the game you know those were shots that they had made the game before and just for whatever reason weren't weren't dropping against uh Houston but at the same time Houston was always I feel like aggressive or always you know trying to insert their will towards the basket Uh, and they also end up plus 10 in points in the paint on that
2: yeah, and uh, to touch on Grimes real quick, uh, that was actually a play that I looked at in my video breakdown. And uh, you're right, you know that was the shot that kind of got him going. And if you watch that play, uh, Dexter, great defense initially to, to cut him off. And then Grimes kind of extended his arm, pushed him off a little bit. And Dexter was you know a little exasperated. He thought it should have been an offensive foul. Relaxed for just a half second. And then Grimes darted right back to get a, a, a handoff. And went up for that three, and that that little half second put Dexter behind the play and left him trailing, and then he was out of position, so that that made him you know jump at an angle that he normally wouldn't, which led to the foul. So just those little details, when you go back and watch film, uh, those are what really stand out. And um, like you said, I mean that that got Grams going, got their offense jump started, and um, but you're right too that uh, when you mentioned that you know the shots. Uh, it's a make or miss game, you know. You hear that all the time in the NBA. And looking back on the film, you know, I, I tended to to agree. And there's actually a website called Shot Quality that tracks all the 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 quality of the shots and gives them an expected points per shot value. Uh, from you know, based on the shooter, you know how open they were, where they are on the court, and WSU, you know, they were uh, expected to win that game 50 percent of the time. You know, that was a, a true toss up game. So, you know, they have to be pretty happy with the shots they were taking. It's just, the uh, you know, one of those games where, you know, they, the shots that were falling were not falling. And that goes back to what IB said is that, you know, when, st- you know, streaks like that are going to happen. You know, it's basketball. You know, teams are going to go through stretches where the, the shots just aren't falling. But you, you have to not let that affect your defense and still stay locked in to a high level. So, um, that, that's what happened this game was that WSU, you know, they were getting pretty good looks. Houston was getting, you know, they were pretty much just going one-on-one, you know, they didn't really run a lot of sets the second half. You look at the, you know, what, how they hurt WSU is a lot of just one-on-one. We're going to go at, you know, who we feel like uh, your worst defender is and, and we're just going to, you know, beat them one-on-one. So um, it wasn't like WSU. There was a huge difference from, you know, the first to second half. It was just one of those games where, you know, shots didn't fall and then, uh, you know, they, they didn't play good enough defense to, to get the job done. The game really left
0: me conflicted because on the one hand, you know, we talked on the show last week, this is not one of those games that you'd mark down as a W, you know, that's going to be a, a tough team that you're playing down there in Houston. But then on the other hand, you were up 10, uh, even just a little average, uh, you know, during that long stretch of, of seven minutes without scoring is, is a whole different ball game. But then as you look forward, you know, hopefully this gives them the confidence that they can play with, you know, what has been um, decided by many as the best team in in the conference, and you know, certainly is ranked that way as well. The other thing I look at, you know, Houston was only plus four in rebounding, but it just seemed like they would always get, you know, the the rebounds that they needed to, or there, there'd be a missed shot, and and when they would come down with an offensive rebound, they'd put it right back in. So there was just so many of those, you know, 50-50 plays that, like I said, even just, you know, a few of them to go the other way, it's a whole different ballgame we're talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, uh, you know, that's that's the power of the, the make-or-miss, you know, um, philosophy, and... I think another uh, big change, I I would say, from the first to second half, uh, really didn't have much to do with WSU. It was more about Houston. And uh, in the first half, the Cougars were just very, very careless with the ball. Um, You know, they were throwing uh, just careless passes. They were, you know, um, dribbling off their feet and fouling and. Uh you look at the first half WSU actually had a 14 to 0 advantage in points off turnovers and a lot of those were what you know Greg Marshall used to call atomic bombs where you know the Houston would turn it over and it would lead directly to a basket at the other end for WSU and when you're going against a top 10 elite defense the more times you can get in transition and attack a backpedaling defense the better your offense is going to look, because you know those are high percentage chances. And when Houston uh, eliminated turnovers in the second half, I, I think they—I don't think they had a turnover in the last 15 minutes of the game. They cut out the turnovers, and that in in turn, you know, cut out those run out opportunities for WSU and their offense wasn't able to attack and transition. They're having to go against a set defense every single time. I think that played a big part in in it too, for WSU uh, in the the decrease of uh, the points and uh, just efficiency for the offense, the second half.
0: Tyson Etienne had 25 points. It did take him 20 shots to get there. So we weren't able to exercise our demons with a road win at Houston, but guess what? We did get a home win against Cincinnati, 82-76 to this past Sunday. The Shockers were up by as much as 16 in the second half. Ricky Council, the fourth, with 23 points. That's the highest for a freshman since Ture Murray in 2009. Uh, Mo Udeze had a good game. Tyson continued to be the consistent player that he's been all season. What would you think about this win against the Bearcats?
2: Yeah, really. This was, you know, a, a win that was sparked by the bench. Uh, you know, the starting unit was really, really poor in the first half, and um, I thought the bench really saved WSU, and uh, you know, namely Ricky Council. Uh, but you also saw, you know, good energy from Clarence Jackson. Uh, Isaiah poorbert Chandler had some good moments. Joseph Bilal had, you know, that possession where he had two offensive rebounds and the putbacks. So. Um, I thought the the bench was really key in the first half, just keeping WSU afloat because you know those first five minutes were ugly, ugly basketball uh, from the starting unit, and you know none of those guys really got going. Uh, you know, Udese looked uh, really, really poor. Tyson Etienne got off to a really slow start to the game, and then uh, obviously Tariq Gilbert. You know, this is the first game he's been scoreless. Uh, Dexter finished with four. Trey Wade with three. So. Not a lot to like from the starting unit, uh, particularly in the first half. So I thought this was a you know a shout out to the bench, uh, the bench uh, unit, and really you know Ricky Council. I mean, he announced himself. Uh, Tyson Etienne said it best after this game: "We can't hide him anymore. You know, people are going to know about John Ricky. Rothstein. Tweeted yeah. out about him. Buy stock now. Buy stock now. Yeah, it's uh, it's time to buy and invest a lot of stock in, in Ricky Council. And uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of things that." You know, I went back and read some of my um, stories when I talked to the coaches, you know, his um, high school coach and his AAU coach. And, you know, they are saying he was capable of doing this stuff back then. So um, I'll have another story coming out on uh, Tuesday on Kansas.com that's going to take a look at just how impressive Ricky Council is at finishing at the basket. I mean, his level of finishing is just you don't see it very often, uh, especially in freshmen in the American. You know, it, it usually takes a, a pretty big adjustment going from high school to finishing over AAC athletes at the rim. But, you know, Ricky Council is an elite finisher already as a freshman. So I'm going to take a, a deeper dive into that. And, uh, you know, eight for 11 shooting, seven for, I mean, 11 free throw attempts. So, I mean, to get 23 on 11 shots, I mean, that's, that's just crazy efficiency. And uh yeah you 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 saw a glimpse of what he can do and then uh, if you read my my breakdown story on Monday Always do. Always do. Oh, I appreciate you. I hope you have the push notifications on too. <laughs> um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my video breakdown story on Monday, uh, yes, the 23 points, career high, that's going to get the headlines for Ricky Council, but was what was even just as promising, in my opinion, was his defense. I mean, you look at some of the, the defense that he played on Keith Williams, you know, this is a first-team all A C guy, a senior leader, 15 points per game scorer. Ricky Council pretty much shut him down. You know, the, he only was on him three field goal attempts, but all three of those... Ricky played superb defense. Uh, he made him shoot one really short. He made another one. Uh, Keith Williams shot it off the side of the backboard because of the strong contest. And then the third one, he swiped down and, and knocked it out of Keith Williams' hands before he could even get in the shooting motion. So I thought Ricky really flashed that potential to be a two-way monster. And uh, that was the thing. That was the biggest takeaway for me. I knew he could be you know special on offense, but... Man, that defense is starting to come along now. The Shockers were plus
0: seventeen in points off of turnovers in the game. I'm going to ask you a question that a lot of Shocker fans are asking right now. Probably won't be the last time we discuss it this season. Should the starting lineup change?
2: I think I think it's time. I think uh, you know some. I think they'll they'll make at least one change. I I don't know which one it will be. You know, you look at the starting. Um, Lineup, I think, uh, you know, there's a, a possibility of, of putting Ricky Council, you know, in the lineup and starting him with, uh, with Dexter Dennis, maybe having Trey Wade come off the bench. Uh, you could look at maybe changing up the point guard. You know, Craig Porter has been steady. Um, you know, he's not going to put up big stats, but he's been very steady. The team always plays well when he's on the court. Uh, maybe have Altari Gilbert try something new, you know, come off the bench and see if that can kind of uh, spark him. Uh, Clarence Jackson, I, I mean, I feel like he has a case to to be made for for starting too. I mean, he brings a ton of energy, but maybe WSU likes that that energy coming off the bench. Maybe that's uh, a nice little change up to throw, um, you know, midway through the first half, and then you know, Porbor Chandler. I think he's got a um, you know a case to be made, but I thought Morris Udzay after. Uh, pretty horrendous start by Mo uh, in that game. I thought he recovered very, very well. And I think that's, that speaks to uh, IB too as a coach because he really challenged Mo early in the game, got, got after him during a timeout. And he said, you know, Mo kind of gave him one of those looks like, come on, like he wasn't having it. And then IB was very stern with him. He said, Mo, you are not playing the right way. You're not playing shocker basketball. And I think you know, some players would not respond to that very well, but players that, you know, respect the coach and, you know, that truly, you know, respect them. I think uh, Mo responded in a way that that tells me that he, he really does, you know, put a lot of stock in IB. And uh, he came back and played way more aggressive, probably had the best pick and roll, roll to the basket I've ever seen him do. Uh, just th- that monster screen where he, he, uh, you know, knocks down the defender and then rolls hard, and and he got up on that dunk too. That was probably the most springy Udeze dunk I've ever seen, and uh, so he really responded in a positive way. So I think, uh, and I think that the the coaching staff really likes his defense too. So I think he's going to stay in the lineup, but I think poor Bear Chandler has made a case for his energy uh, to be, a, you know, considered first starters. Had a great tip-in uh, in the yeah. game against Houston. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's had a lot of good tip-ins this year. I th- He's uh, really kind of shown a good knack for, you know, swooping in and just, uh, yeah, getting those those tip-in baskets. And um, I think, yeah, what, what they want to see more from him is defensive rebounding. That, that's kind of the problem for, for him and, you know, all these centers. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, if I, if I had to guess, I would guess that there's at least one starting lineup change, uh, for Wednesday at Tulsa. I just don't know which one it will be.
0: I was in the building for the win against Cincinnati and it was nice, you know, the crowd, I feel, you know, can still make enough noise to have an impact on
2: things. Yeah. I thought, uh, you know, Tyson Etienne was asked about that after the game and, he said that yeah, they really appreciated that. Like on the team, they they could feel the the more energy in the crowd, and we kind of talked about that too before this game. That you know, just because you know the home games before this were kind of low stakes. You know, they weren't great opponents, so uh, you know it was a smaller capacity. So you know, Coke Arena hadn't really gotten that loud uh, during this season. But you know, you throw in the rivalry with Cincinnati, a little more increase in in uh, capacity, and yeah, I mean, I thought uh, the WSU fans did a good job of, you know, making themselves heard and you know, giving WSU some some semblance of a home court advantage. As far as the AAC is
0: concerned, there are four teams now that have won in the lost column. Houston is five and one, Tulsa is four and one, Shockers are three and one, and Memphis is two and one. How? long do we have to wait before we can start talking more about this conference race and Wichita State being a serious contender, at least for, you know, second or third place?
2: Uh, I'm going to say six games, which would be the midway point. And I mean, this is a long conference season and, you know, a lot of crazy stuff can happen just with, you know, COVID-19 and the contact tracing. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, you're seeing it happen in the NBA right now where, you know, you kind of look at the schedule and say, okay, this is, you know, one of the best teams in the league. Oh, well, now, you know, three players, three of their start players are missing because of contact tracing. So we haven't seen that as much, you know, in the in the college basketball, at least in the American. But I think that's that possibility always exists where you just cannot look ahead. Uh, you know, nothing is really guaranteed. So it really is. You're just going to have to look week to week, game by game. And um, But, you know, I'm going to hold off on, um, you know, looking at the conference race at the finish until about halfway through the, the conference season. WSU's first half of the conference schedule is brutal, much much more difficult. I feel like it's been that way for the last few years now, where they always really start tough, and then uh, the, the schedule kind of eases up in, in February and March. But uh, that that's again the case, and you know you look at the, this next stretch of games: home at Tulsa, at SMU, at Memphis, USF at home, at Cincinnati. Uh, UCF, I think producer Brian said before this, all those teams were picked ahead of WSU in in the preseason poll. So all those games are going to be crucial. Uh, right now, Ken Palm only has uh, WSU, or he has them favored in three of the six games. So you know, coming out with a, a three and three record would be big. Um, anything better than that, then you're then you're really starting to look at okay, this is a conference title contender. A lot of it's going to have to do with Houston too, though. I mean, um, you know, they're going to need Houston to, to fall, uh, you know, at least probably two more times. I think uh, WSU. I think you know, sixteen and four is probably you know what what you're looking at um, to win this conference. Uh, maybe it, it will be seventeen and three, but. Um, this is, you know, a long conference season. You know, uh, now it's a 20-game slate. You play everybody twice, so it's tough, especially that middle middle of the pack. You know, there just aren't very many given uh, games anymore in the Americans, so it's a, it's a tough slate. Wichita State
0: is up to 78 in the Kin Palm rankings. They'll take on Kin Palm 72 when Tulsa visits Wichita this week. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy. Welcome back to Talk Injury with Kuhn and Eldridge. We're joined now by voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy. And Mike, first off, uh, had a little bit of a different vantage point for these games against Houston and, and Cincinnati this past weekend. So just kind of give our listeners an update on where you're at, hopefully staying healthy, and, and what that experience has been like.
1: Well, it's been a little weird. Uh, my exact situation is that I had a well, determined to be a close contact Uh, On the trip to Mississippi, and so um, I had to go into quarantine with Wichita State uh, for 10 days, and that is just about to expire, uh, and I have to complete three negative tests before I can actually be back in the arena and back around everybody. And I just took the second one today. I've actually had, I had a negative one yesterday. I went on my own and had a negative test last Thursday. So, no symptoms. I'm healthy. Everything you know has been fine. So, uh, I anticipate, barring a total surprise, that uh, I'll be back at the table on Wednesday night for the Tulsa game.
2: Yeah, that's that's good to hear that you're doing doing well and and healthy how how strange was it watching games on television like uh, Dustin said I mean that was a different vantage point after all these years you know calling games in person had to feel a little strange right watching the game on TV
1: very much so and i was i was listening to the radio broadcasts with Shane and, and Dave because i you know i was popping in after timeouts and that sort of thing to participate and the radio was a good in both games a good minute or so ahead or maybe more ahead of the the televised picture and so you know i'm hearing what happened and then seeing it later which in some ways was was okay i mean then i could kind of get a picture of what what it was they had described but uh, but all of that was was really different, and I'm just anxious to get back to the real thing.
0: We saw the Shockers take down Cincinnati at home for the first time since joining the American Athletic Conference yesterday, 82-76. to 76. Ricky Council, the fourth, was the big story with 23 points. What would you like about the game yesterday, but also just what Ricky's shown here early in the season?
1: Well, first of all, he's just athletic as all get-out, and, and not just explosive up. He has a unique knack to... It, it looks like I know it's it's supposed to be physiologically impossible for somebody to hang in the air, but he appears to do that just because he can change position in the air. He can you know move the ball around, lean at angles, and it looks like he's up there longer than everybody else. So he's got great body control, uh, finishes plays around the basket, and uh, you know is just fearless. The other thing I like about him is that he just doesn't seem to be intimidated by anything has a lot of self-confidence, but he's also playing within himself and playing within the the team concept. He's not forcing shots, really. He's he's seeing opportunities within the offense to take it to the basket. And he's been the team's best rebounder per minute played all season. So uh, just a lot to like about him. And and the offense is getting better and better with every game. The defense has been pretty good for a while. And uh, I think it's exciting to see where this team is headed.
2: Does he remind you of any past shockers, you know, going way back? I had someone text me the other day. That's the reason I ask is uh, they said that he has a little Mo Evans in him. Um, I don't know if that's a you know, direct correlation, but um, does anybody remind you or does he remind you of any any past shockers, just his playing style? I would, uh, I might
1: dispute Maurice Evans just a little bit because he was very explosive, straight up, had exceptional range um so you know i don't i haven't seen that kind of range yet from ricky's a little bit different type of player uh mo didn't take it to the basket an awful lot although he could um so you know dave mentioned cheese johnson cheese was kind of herky-jerky you know hard to pick up around the basket give you a lot of different moves and things and and that one is uh you know, that one's kind of viable, although I think Ricky's more explosive straight up than Cheese was and might have already a little more shooting range than Cheese did as a college player. So uh, those I guess those would be a couple that, uh, gosh, no, not anybody. You know, that's, that's just a directly, uh, you know, similar player that I can think of right offhand.
0: Shockers will have two big games this week, Tulsa coming to town on Wednesday and then they travel to SMU on Sunday. You know, by the end of the week we'll be almost a third of the way through the conference slate here. Uh, you know, Houston leading the conference 5 and 1, Tulsa at 4 and 1 with the loss to Wichita State, Wichita State at 3 and 1. Is it time to maybe change the the perspective or the outlook for this and and for the team to have an opportunity to really make a deep run and and potentially be in uh, you know, be in the question to win the conference.
1: Well, I guess my take on it would be that uh, I don't think you want to start pushing people's expectations too high. It's still early enough in the season that uh, you know you just never know what's going to happen. but i I do think this team is continuing to get better all the time. They're getting more and more used to each other. And just in terms of just matching up personnel against personnel, uh, you know, I didn't think they gave away much, even athletically, to Houston, although Houston is definitely more experienced, uh, more physical, I think a little more physically mature and, and more physical around the basket. But it wasn't like they were outmatched completely in that game. And uh, I think they match up well with everybody else. And so uh, if they can continue to grow and mature and, and stay together, I don't think there's any question that they could be a contender and, and maybe at least a. Uh, you know, a top three type of team in this conference, and certainly that's uh, that's well ahead of where anybody thought they would be, I think.
2: And, uh, you know, a lot of that credit goes to, you know, Isaac Brown, uh, the job that he's done on an interim basis. I mean, we saw before the season a lot of former Shockers, you know, Richard Kelly, namely, come out in support of IB and uh, just rave about him being a players coach. I mean, you've been around these guys a lot. How would you kind of explain to to fans, you know, why IB is a player's coach? What is it about him that players just love playing for and play hard for him?
1: I think he's very encouraging. That isn't to say that he won't get on him once in a while, but there's not a lot of, of chewing out, certainly. Um You know, I think he just sort of lays it out as a very matter of fact, common sense. This is what you got to do. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to play. Uh, But I think he tries to really uh, build everybody up. You know, he's talked a lot about uh, Dexter Dennis and Trey Wade starting the season not shooting the ball well. He's continued to tell them. You know, look, I know you can shoot. I see you make shots in practice. So if you're open, go ahead and take it. Don't force it, but if you have an open shot, I want you to keep taking them. That sort of thing. And I, I think that uh, maybe this team's been given a little bit more freedom individually. And that's certainly not a knock on on Greg Marshall, but I think it's just something that has worked for this particular group and I think has helped give them some confidence. Uh, certainly, the the way they're playing, attacking the basket, taking the ball to the basket. They're getting to the free throw line a lot more, which is uh, a plus and and helping them win some games. And then, you know, the other thing is... And Taylor, I don't know how much you've had a chance to really be around him closely because of the circumstances we're dealing with, but when I'm around him, I don't ever get the feel that this is a first-time head coach and that, that he's sort of figuring this out. You have the feel that he's done this before, and is uh, very confident in what he's doing and making good decisions, and and I think that gives the team a lot of confidence, and, and certainly in some tight games, he has stayed calm, and uh, the South Florida game where they let that lead get away at the end and were going to overtime, he just said, look, forget about the last 40 minutes, forget about the last couple of minutes, let's just win these next five minutes, that kind of thing. That uh, I think's given a young team that's still kind of new to each other a, a lot of confidence. So uh, I have been extremely impressed with the job he's doing, and and uh, you know really encouraged by the way he's coaching this team.
0: You talk about the improvement that we've seen in the team over the last few weeks, and hopefully that all continues trending in the right direction. If there's just one thing that you could maybe help him out with, or or uh, have him focus on here over these next few weeks, what would that be?
1: You know, and, and I might be. Um, uh, I might even be overextending a little bit on this, but I, I think one thing that they haven't quite gotten the hang of yet is finishing games decisively when they have a lead, uh, you know, certainly they as I mentioned, they let that one get away at, at South Florida. I thought yesterday against Cincinnati, they, they still played well down the stretch, but I thought defensively they had really been dominating Cincinnati. And I felt like not so much that they just let up, but that they maybe were just trying to be careful not to foul. They weren't quite as aggressive on defense and thought they gave up a few easy baskets late that kind of cut the margin a little bit. So, you know, that's that's part of it. Uh, but that just comes with experience and, and going through those situations. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see Wednesday uh, having won already against Tulsa not that long ago, about a month ago on the road. Uh, you know, you'd certainly hope that they don't come in on Wednesday night, just assuming that, that they're going to win again. That they they have to come in and do the work, and so all of that I think is is part of just uh, becoming you know a consistently winning team. You have to. You have to do that. You have to do the things that it takes to keep doing that, so that you have that feel for what exactly that is.
2: I, w- I wanted to ask you too about uh, Tyson Etienne. Uh, I get—I mean—I've gotten a lot of questions about him, especially with uh, his breakout so far this season. And uh, you know, I—I kind of struggle to you know articulate just how you know what makes him special, and you know, just how different he really is. And if you could kind of just expand on you know just all the little things that he does. Uh, the work ethic, uh, just things that go on behind the beyond the scenes that you know nobody sees. But I know that talking to you know managers, you know, um, you know assistant coaches, grad assistants. I mean, all these guys just rave about Tyson. Just what 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 can you say about just the work that he's done uh, when when the lights aren't on? That that's leading to the success he's had so far this year.
1: I think he is mature beyond his years, and I think that gives him the ability to focus on what he needs to do i think he has a very realistic outlook of himself and understands what his strengths are and what things he needs to continue to work on i think that his game has gotten better in several areas than it was as a freshman uh taking the ball to the basket handling the ball he's a better passer than he was as a freshman he was a pretty good defender as a freshman at least by the end of the year but i think he's even gotten better With that, and and certainly that ability to take the ball to the basket and and understand you know openings and angles and things like that, not only getting him some some shots at the basket. But it's, he's getting fouled. He's going to the line a lot. He is in the top 50 or so in the country in free throws made. And so when you're making threes and making free throws, even when you're not having maybe a great shooting night overall, he's still putting some points on the board. And then the other thing is he's just a, a really solid person. He's turning into a great leader, uh, a guy that that leads both verbally but also by example, and uh, so I think he's been a great influence, even though he's only a sophomore himself. And um, I, I think all of that plays into just the atmosphere on this team. This team is a lot closer, uh, more together, gets along better, have each other's backs far better than last year's team. And I think that he's a big part of that. I, I think some of it is the, the guys that returned who went through some, some times that weren't so fun last year, kind of coming back with the resolve that they didn't want that kind of situation again and are doing everything they can to make sure it's, it's a lot more, uh, a lot more cohesive than it was last year.
0: 1,319 straight games calling shocker basketball is a heck of a run. Mike, we look forward to getting a new streak started this Wednesday against Tulsa.
1: It's not, it's, it's not over. Uh, we have all decided, actually other people decided this even before I accepted it, but, uh, I was involved in both of those games throughout. I was in those games throughout the broadcast. So I didn't do play by play, but I did the games, and we've all decided it's now 1,321 and continuing. So I didn't miss the games. I just had a different role. And so that's the what we're doing. Lives on. And, you know, honestly, I just. In this year of COVID, I think you have to make a few adjustments. I mean, We're talking about guys getting a year of eligibility that they would have lost this year, just all kinds of things that have uh, caused some adjustments. And especially since I wasn't sick or incapacitated or unable to do the games, it was just a a safety precaution. Uh, I think that's a fair way to look at it.
0: Well, someone who is uh, great with the stats, that's a perfect way to look at it. So the streak lives on. We appreciate you taking the time and and look forward to uh, good times the rest of the way.
1: All right. Thank you, guys. I think it's going to be a fun year.
0: Our thanks again to Mike for joining the show. Let's move now into our game preview, starting with Wednesday's home matchup with Tulsa. Game tips off at 6 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPN+. Tulsa has won six straight since the Shockers beat them 69-65 on December 15th. This will be their first game in a week. They had their game this past weekend against UCF postponed due to COVID reasons. You know, it seems like a quick turnaround. I feel like we were just previewing uh, the uh, conference opener against Tulsa at that time. They had also been on a long break uh, due to COVID-related reasons. You, they're certainly playing good basketball. They beat Houston by one point here a couple weeks ago, and I think they're going to come to Coke Arena looking for revenge after that close loss here just a few weeks ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, WSU really, really did catch them at a, a pretty good time. You know, that was right after Tulsa had taken you know a ten-day break. Um, you know, it was basically their first day back from, you know, the the quarantine. So, um, you know, not to say that, you know, anything, you know, WSU caught it. I mean, it was a break, but, um, you know, they beat them fair, fair and square. But I, th- I guarantee you that Tulsa, you know, they are ready for this game at Coke Arena. And uh, like you said, I mean, they won six in a row. They've turned things around. Their defense is what really stands out to me. You know, they have one of the best defenses in, in the conference, you know, 26 on Kempom, uh, 12th in the country in limiting uh, effective field goal percentage. So uh, they really, really get after it on the defensive end. Brandon Rashal has been um, very good so far this season for them. And, um, yeah, this is going to be a, a tough, tough team to beat for WSU. You know, obviously they're going to have to go, go up against that matchup zone. Uh, you know, the Shockers have have um, you know had problems against that in the past. But you know now that Tyson Etienne, you know, is, is throwing flames from outside, he's gonna you know make. T- t- I mean, he's gonna really affect the gravity of the game and the floor of how Tulsa's defense can you know move and rotate because they're always gonna have to keep uh, you know an eye on him. It's gonna give you know open shots, I think, to to other WSU shooters and kind of goes back to what IB said after the Houston game. You know, it's a make or miss league. Um, you know, it's just probably gonna come down to. I know it's simple, but it's probably gonna come down to. How many of those open 3s WSU can WSU can hit? If you remember the game on
0: December 15th, the Shockers came out hot, made a few shots early, got ahead, and, and was able to keep that lead for most of the game, and and I think that'll be a key again, of course, as you mentioned, is when you have those open looks to make sure you, you put them down. Rashal is the leading scorer for Tulsa at 15.8 points per game. As a team, though, they're only shooting 64% from the free throw line, so I think the game also down in Tulsa, that was something that happened that, that didn't necessarily take care of business at the free throw line, so... Shockers have have really proven an ability to uh, knock those down, particularly Tyson. You know, it's part of the reason he's been putting up 20 points a game. And so in your mind, uh, what do the Shockers need to do well again to come out with a W?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Tulsa is a team that you can really hurt because they're in that zone defense. They can be hurt, offensive rebounding, and WSU has been a very good team. Offensive rebounding team. So um, you know, even if they're not hitting shots, guys like you know, Bear Chandler, Ricky Council, Clarence Jackson, um, Mo Udeze, guys like that. I mean, they can be crashing the boards, getting offensive rebounds, giving WSU second chances, and that's how you beat this Tulsa defense. Because if you just rely on you know the first look against them, you know, chances are they're going to be very, very solid. They're going to contest your shot, and they're going to force, you know, uh, a a very tough make or, uh, you know, a miss. So I think uh, WSU, the second chance points, are going to be key. Tulsa is actually, you know, a bottom 50 team in the country in giving up offensive rebounds. Uh, WSU, meanwhile, is a top 50 team. So that's a strength on weakness there for WSU. And like you said, you know, the foul shooting for Tulsa really came back to haunt them. They could have, you know, made that game a lot more interesting if they made their free throws down the stretch. Uh, they did not, and as a result, you know, w- WSU was able to escape with the victory. So um, that's a weakness for for Tulsa. Also, uh, turnovers for them. You know, they they they're another team that's kind of careless with the ball. And uh, we've talked a lot about the season and, and transition points, and that was a key for uh, the Cincinnati game. I, I forgot to talk about that during. During that segment, but uh, you know, Cincinnati came in, their whole offense was propped up by their transition offense. And if you can keep Cincinnati out of transition, uh, you're going to really effectively limit what they were able to do. And WSU was able to hold them to just nine transition points and 12 possessions for the first 36 minutes of that game. Basically, you know, when they put the game away and then the last four minutes, you know, things got out of control. But, um, you know, they really did a good job when it mattered the most. And that's going to be another key against Tulsa because, as we talked about, when you can attack a defense that is backpedaling in transition, that is the best chance for the offense to score. You know, it's harder for the defense to match up. It's harder for them to defend because they're moving backwards. W- the offense is, you know, moving forward. So um, that's going to be key for WSU. Um, turning turnovers into points. They've been really, really good at it these last few games. So um, that's that's going to be another key in my mind, too, is just capitalizing, forcing turnovers and then capitalizing on them when they, they do get them. Shockers will have another big matchup on Sunday when they go on the road at
0: SMU. Game tips at 5 p.m. on ESPNU. I'll be just getting done watching the Chiefs take down the Browns in the AFC Divisional Round playoffs at that point. SMU had lost two consecutive games before beating Temple today. They'll go to Memphis on Thursday before playing the Shockers. Kinpom ranked number 55. Certainly, uh, you know, we're picked second uh, in the conference behind Houston and another one of these teams that if we want to continue moving up to standings would, would hopefully take care of business against.
2: Yeah, and SMU, I mean, this is, uh, I feel like it's this way every single year on paper. They look really, really good. Uh, you know, the offense should just be dynamic. They had basically everyone coming back from last season. Um, it, it should be good, but then, you know, for whatever reason, they just cannot, you know, translate that to big wins on the court. And, uh, you know, they lost a big home swing, um Houston at home Cincinnati at home you know if you want to make a run prove that you're you know truly a conference uh, contender you have to at least win one of those at home and and for them to drop both of them uh you know they were up late against Cincinnati too they really and that was a Cincinnati team that, that came in having lost like five or six in a row they were really at a low point and uh for SMU to blow that lead late at home uh I just cannot figure this team out but you They have a ton of talent, a ton of potential. Kendrick Davis is probably my favorite player to watch in the conference. Just an electric playmaker, throws a ton of alley oops. Really gets his, uh, you know, he has the third best assist rate in the country. Really gets other other players involved, and just you know, is a is a wizard with the basketball. So he's a lot of fun to watch. I think him versus Altrui Gilbert. That's going to be quick on quick, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch him try to try to uh, you know limit Kendrick Davis. And um, I think that's going to be a huge key to the game is how well WSU can contain him. And, uh, I mean, if he's not scoring, he can still hurt you by penetrating, drawing that help defense, and then kicking to the other person. So even if he doesn't score a lot of points, those assist totals, that's going to be a key figure for WSU is, is limiting his assist in that game.
0: SMU scores 79.2 points per game, and they allow 67. They shoot at 46% from the field, 35% from three, and they're averaging 7.4 steals per game. So how the Shocker guards do in protecting the basketball certainly will be key as well. SMU will come to Wichita on February 28th. Any other thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is just uh, another big one. Like you said, I mean, this is a team that was picked ahead of WSU. So if the Shockers are going to make those push to, you know, finish near the top of the conference, uh, you know, this is a is a game that, that would be a huge, huge win on the road. Uh, you know, they already have put themselves ahead of schedule with the, the road wins that they do have already. So, um, I mean, I think that that road win at Tulsa is looking, you know, that's that's aged uh very very well in time. The the win at USF is is very clutch too. So, uh you know, a win against SMU, this is a top 3 team, a lot of people had them in the conference. So, this would really really be another boon for WSU and I think at that point, you know, if you're able to take care of Tulsa at home, and if you steal one on the road at SMU, that's when you know a lot of outsiders are going to start, you know, taking notice of WSU. You've kind of seen some national guys tweet about the job that Isaac Brown is doing. But you know, nine and three, five and one in conference, that's how you you start getting attention. And uh, at that point, you know, WSU they're going to start getting every team's best shot. You know, even though they they probably don't have the most talent or the most experience in the conference. You know, they're, they're really proving that, that, you know, whatever they're doing right now is working at a very high level. And, uh, you know, if they, can, if they can come away from this week 2-0, and that would be huge for the Shockers and, and really establish themselves as, you know, a major player in this conference. I think all that just speaks to the
0: depth of this team. We see other teams in the conference where they have a guy who's, you know, averaging 20 points a night, and maybe if he's off that, then the whole team's going to be off that night. But it just seems like with Wichita State, there's just enough quality around there. They might not all be, you know, five-star guys, but there's enough quality across the board that they're all, you know, it's kind of a way to diversify to where when one guy's not doing so well, another guy's there to pick him up. So uh, hopefully we'll continue to see that progress throughout the year. Those financial portfolios you're working on, right? You got to be diversified. Well, we also we said buy stock now, so all I need to do is say volatility, and I've got in all my buzzwords (laughs) for uh, for investing. But uh, speaking of that, buy or sell time, producer Brad. Well,
3: let's start before we get into buy or sell.
2: Let's get some predictions for these next two games. All right, I'll go first, I guess. I'll go um, this home game against Tulsa. I think WSU. Um, matches well against matches up well uh, obviously Tulsa is going to be hungry but I think the shockers um, you know they, they've been playing pretty well at home this season so um, I think that that road that confidence built up on the road uh, transferred over and um, you know the Cincinnati win I think is only further you know establishing that confidence so I think WC keeps the ball rolling against Tulsa I think this one's going to be a, a grinded out game um i'll go wsu 64 to 60
0: it was 69 65 in tulsa i agree with what mike kennedy said that this shocker offense is improving and the defense has been there you know pretty darn good all season i also think they they will win i'm going to say 70 to 67 i agree it's a close one
3: all right and give me at smu
0: I'm going to – let's remember last year's game at SMU, the Dexter Dennis game, if you will, where he went off. Taylor said for whatever reason right after Christmas break, Dexter's game starts to come along. He had a pretty good game against Houston, looked well uh, at times against Cincinnati. So I'll say Dexter Dennis has another big game. I will go 65-62, Shockers.
2: Let yeah, me take a minute and just reflect back on how crazy that game was. They're how down. Many, he hit seven threes. Is that right? Yeah. On not even just that. I mean, so they're down twenty six. Uh, they just looked dead, and I mean, they looked like they were about to roll over, kind of like what they did at Houston last year. And not just that, that they were able to come back. But you think about who was on that team. What happened just, you know, two weeks after this when everyone basically went their separate ways, you know, this was a team that was on the rocks. Uh, Personalities were clashing uh, with the coaching staff, with the players, you know, all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. The fact that they were able to pull off one of the greatest comebacks on the road in NCAA history is just is insane. I think you could do like a ESPN 30 for 30 on that one. Um, but yeah, this one I man, I'm a sucker for SMU. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to learn, <laughs> but I I I love their offense. I think that um Kendrick Davis is electric. Uh he would be my player of the year. I think he's just he has the biggest impact on the game of any single player. I think uh, I, I think SMU will win this one at home, but it would not shock me if WSU goes on the road. Like I said, I mean, whatever 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 it is, you know, it seems like Jankovic just Something always happens for Goes SMU back to his Valley days. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it seems like they just always, you know, just underperform, just just enough to to keep me wanting. It, it reminds me of uh, what was it like two years ago? The Temple Temple Owls. I always thought Temple was gonna that was quindera. Taylor's Temple Owls. Those <laughs> I love uh, boys. <laughs> I love Nate Pierre Louis and uh, and those guys, and they just never never put it together. So I think SMU is going to be that team for me this year. Um, but I'll go SMU. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a higher pace game, uh, more points. So I'll go SMU 75, WSU 68. All right, let's get into buy or sell time. So we've talked about these next
3: six games getting to the halfway point. So crucial. Taylor, you talked about the schedule coming up. Tough opponents every single night. Teams picked to be ahead of you. So buy or sell. With what you're seeing right now, Wichita State wins 4 of those six games and establishes themselves as a contender for the title.
2: I will, man, that's tough. I will buy that, though. There's just a a lot of stuff not to like with other American teams right now. And, um, you know, that would require WSU winning all three at home, which I think they can do. Tulsa, USF, UCF. I think uh, um, they're going to be favorites in all three of those games. Tulsa is probably the closest one. And then uh, that leaves me with, you know, stealing one on the road against Cincinnati, Memphis, and SMU. And all three of those teams have uh, gone through disappointments and, uh, you know, their their own problems. And there's just not a lot to, you know, love right now about those those teams. So I, I do think that WSU can steal one on the road. So I'm, I'm optimistic on this team. I think that they are just they just have that if factor, and they're playing Isaac Brown whatever he's doing he's just kind of he's got them rolling he's got them playing with confidence so i think 4 and 2 is doable and i think it will happen I'm gonna buy that as well, and you know
0: it hasn't always looked pretty this season, but they're in every single game that they play in, and and for that simple fact alone, I think you know th- these younger guys are getting more experience and coming along maybe quicker than some people thought. I think they have a, a good feel for you know the culture of the team as a whole, and I think they're thinking to themselves, why not? Even though they lost against Houston, once again you're up ten in the second half. They were looking you know eye to eye right with that team. I, I feel like they were. Or, you know, uh, not talented enough that they couldn't go out there and win. So, if every game's going to be close, why not go ahead win four out of the next
2: 6 wsu WSH's been very good in close games this year too. It
3: doesn't feel like it watching those those last. Well, some minutes. of the <laughs> some of them
2: are close because they they can't finish. So, <laughs> depends on how you look yeah, at it. Yeah, they're right? kind of patting their stats there.
3: <laughs> All right, now. We've talked a little bit. Mike alluded to it. This Shocker team seems to get to the free throw line a lot more than previous Shocker teams. You've got guys attacking the rim. Etienne's so dynamic from deep, he can blow by guys. Craig Porter gets to the rim. Ulteri Gilbert gets to the rim. Dexter Dennis loves to get downhill. And they're finding themselves a little more at the free throw line. So my buy or sell is a little different. They don't have as many games this season. 27. Buy or sell. Do they shoot? more free throws than they shot last year with 31 games
0: i'm gonna sell it don't really have a whole lot of
2: uh <laughs> just sounds daunting
0: yeah i know how many average free throws are you shooting a game even like 23.2 20, 23.2 yeah.
3: and if they if they play the 27 games I'll, I'll give you that if they don't play all the games you kind of throw it out assume they play the 27 games Last year they shot six hundred and thirty-eight. This year, if they maintain the rate they're at, they shoot like six hundred and twenty-five.
0: That's some hard-hitting producer Brian research right there. That's why he's the best in the biz. Uh, I'm still gonna sell it, just um, on the. I don't think they'll play <laughs> on the principle
2: games. of it. <laughs> so uh, we would be counting conference tournament games too. The one, at least one conference tournament game. Gotcha, and a p- possible postseason. Possible. Oh. possible. I'll buy that. I think uh, uh, I.B. kind of touched on this earlier, too, uh, the last time we spoke to him about uh, the dribble drive offense and how that it's actually leading to more fouls and it's putting guys, like you mentioned, in those uh, positions to really drive and attack the rim, where WSU, you know, they ran a a lot of ball screen stuff, a lot of uh, motion offense under Greg Marshall, I think that one of the bigger changes is the dribble drive offense and how much WSU is going to it. And, uh, you know, maybe that is just uh, simply personnel. But I think uh, IB has really uh, empowered these players and put the ball in their hands and said, hey, we trust you to, to go go get a basket or go get fouled. And that's what Ricky Council did a lot of, uh, you know, this last game. And, uh, you know, Tyson Etienne is is really good, like you said, of uh, drawing fouls and really attacking the, the rim hard so um, you know right now they're 32 32nd in the country in foul rate so if they can keep that top 50 rate I really like what this team can do and uh, um, so I, I'm optimistic where I think that offense is going to let them keep drawing fouls and uh, I think uh, I think they can that beat that mark from last season I think they're going to play a few um, closer to 31 than than what we think too
3: All right, so third, we talk a little bit about some of the leads slipping away a little bit late. Mike talked about he'd really like to see him finish stronger in some of these games. It's better to learn those lessons when you're winning than when you're losing. But buy or sell, Wichita State will let one of these leads slip away, and that's ultimately going to be the thing that happens before they learn their lesson about
2: finishing strong. All by that I mean they've I mean they've already let one of those leads go with Houston and I think uh, it's fair to assume that you know there's gonna be an, at least one more game this season where they have a, a late lead and um, can't protect them I mean, you can't go you know hundred you can't bat a thousand percent you know in close games so I think it's just a lot of averages where they're gonna have a uh, a lead kind of slip away late. I'm going to buy that as well. The middle of the conference is so close, in my opinion.
0: I mean, it's not without question that's, that that he could have come back, at, uh, you know, at varying times yesterday. And so, um, I, I agree. One, it's going to happen at least once. All right. And you
3: talked that earlier that you expect to see at least one lineup change with the personnel that's happening based on what's gone on in recent games. But buy or sell, you see two starting lineup changes for Wednesday?
0: I'm going to sell that. I think the fans want more changes, but also the favorite, um, you know, player on a lot of NFL teams is the backup quarterback. You're always curious about, you know, what else is out there. You know, Isaac has been, pra- or Coach Brown has been praised for his consistency and how much, you know, he depends on the, that, that starting five and, and trusting those guys to work out a thing. So I think just one change. If not, they'll just roll out the same boys.
2: Yeah, to put some respect on his name there. So,
0: you know, almost called me. him Isaac. I mean, his mama named him Isaac. I'm gonna call him. I'm just kidding, Coach Brown. Sorry, sorry, Coach Brown. Coach Brown, if you're listening, I appreciate you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll sell that as well. Like I said, I think um, I think they make one change. I'm not sure which one it will be. Um, I think what they, and they might not even make any because honestly what they, what they're doing right now is working in a sense where, you know, the bench is just really, really strong. And I think WSU likes having that, um, you know, that, that uh, consistency, you know, where they can go into their bench and uh, not see a drop off where some of these other teams, you know, they might be relying a lot on their starting unit. Uh, You know, those, those second unit shifts, you know, uh, midway through the first half and, um, I think that's where WSU is is really strong at, and you know it's because of those guys coming off the bench. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a a change, so I don't I don't see two happening on Wednesday now. Think the
0: thing you like about that though is they're all pushing each other. and once again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but the depth of this team right now to be able to go to multiple guys at each position and uh, you know they're kind of all motivating each other to be better. The cream's rising to the top.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, WSU, I mean, the way they, they have it, they have a really strong nine. Um, I think they, they you know, they, they could trust, you know, Trevin Wade, Joseph Atbelow, even. So, um, you know, they can go as deep as 11, but, you know, they've, they've really kind of carved out, you know, Ricky Council, Monzy Jackson, a uh, Pooh Bear, uh, those guys, Porter. Uh, Craig Porter. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the four that are, you know, really strong contributors off the bench. And then, you know, Trevin Wade and, and Below are kind of playing spot minutes here. Uh, in relief. So, um, yeah, they have a nice rotation going and, um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where I keep telling, I keep thinking that, you know, it's only a matter of time before Dexter Dennis figures it out before Trey Wade, you know, figures it out before. Altry Gilbert, I, I think he's even playing, you know, um, below his uh, capability, you know, obviously last game. But even before that, I thought that he could, um, you know, his assist and, and the way he impacts the offense, I thought he could have been doing a little bit more. So I think with those three guys, that's three-fifths of the starting lineup. And, you know, even Mo Udeze, I mean, he's had his struggles too. So really, um, not a lot of the starting lineup is playing, you know, uh, their a game. You know, Tyson Etienne, obviously. You know, he's a game. You know, even when he's uh, poor shooting games, you look down. I mean, he had two points for the first uh, thirty minutes of that game, and then you look up, and then he has fifteen at the the end of the game. So, um, you know, he's he's unreal this year. But really, you know, all the rest of the four starters are not bringing their a game. So that's pretty encouraging for WSU to be in this position, uh, seven and three, three and one in conference. And feel like a lot of your team isn't, you know, anywhere close to their potential. So uh, that's something to consider too, where you know they still have, you know, room to grow and uh, you know another level to go up. I think
3: I really like that with the way I'm seeing the three point shots. Like you, you've mentioned before, Taylor, they've got good shooting windows. Their quality is good, and a lot of times they're just rimming out. I mean, they're good looks, and I think they're going in from Dexter and Wade. And, and even from Alturique, his outside shots look like they're going down and then they, they just kinda pop back out. So it's just a matter of time, I think, before they start falling.
2: Yeah. And you know, that's a fine line to go, uh to go on is, you know, at, at some point in time though, you know, this is kind of uh, you know, the 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 struggle of these last two years. You know, they felt like they were getting good looks, but you know, at some point you are who your numbers say you are and, you know, it it it's one of those things where uh, i b has uh you know he trusts these guys he has empowered these guys he he's telling them to keep shooting to keep shoot and uh so I think uh with it's just one of those things where you know th- the coaches are going to trust these players and they're gonna you know try to shoot through these struggles so you know trey Wade, twenty one percent from three dexter twenty eight percent uh you know they, they have to figure those numbers are gonna go up over the course of the season so um three Gilbert, you know, shooting 28% on threes, too. So um I mentioned a few uh uh weeks ago that Tyson Etienne was shooting, I think he was like 34, 35, and I thought his numbers could go up. Well, and look at it now, you know, 39%. I think that's where it's going to stay closer to this season. So I think it's just a matter of time before those guys, um, you know, even out there, they're shooting percentages. But it is a dangerous game to play because, you know, at some point, They keep shooting under 30%. You know, they are who the numbers say they are.
0: What do the numbers say about that guy up in Washington? No, I'm just kidding. That'll be a conversation <laughs> for another day. But uh, now I've always said the shockers do better as the hunter, not the hunted. Now you win both of these games this week. As you mentioned, you're gonna start to get the best shot of everyone. You're gonna start to get a little bit more attention from uh, some of the college basketball media. So uh, it's a it's a big week and, and big opportunity for the shockers, but that's all you can ask for.
2: Yeah. I mean, who who would have thought that, you know, they would be in this position, you know, especially with how the season started. With all the COVID nineteen issues and uh, you know two rough start, rough losses to start the season, um, for them to even be in this position, uh, they've got to be you know thrilled with it. And I know inside the program they're not surprised. I mean they 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 knew they were going to be a solid good team, but I think outsiders or even even the fans they're they're uh, pretty pleasantly surprised. So. Yeah, just to have the opportunity to in a week where if you go 2 and 0, you're going to be, you know, in the spotlight. That's uh, that's pretty crazy for WSU to to even be in this position. It'll be a big week. Our thanks again
0: for Mike Kennedy
2: or to Mike Kennedy
0: rather for joining the show today. We'll be back to recap these games and get you ready for, I believe, what is it? Memphis and uh... It's at Memphis
2: and then South Florida. South home. Florida,
0: yeah. So we'll have another two, you know, more than likely close matchups to take a look at next week as well. Have a good week and remember to
2: rate us five stars.
1: This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.